Good morning. Woohoo! I'll tell you, this was a torturous week to prepare the message because there was five women to study. Don't do that to me again. I have written this message five times. And if you see a mess up here, just a display of many notebooks and Bibles falling out of my head, just um, forgive me. So, Lord, we just come before you with this marvelous gallery of heroes, these Mount Rushmore women who shout, who shout to us to not waste our life to live our life, whatever you've given us, wherever you've put us, to be all in, to be totally all in, yours, God. And we pray, Lord, that you would fan and deflame our giftings. Stir them up and use them. Use them to your glory that people would taste and see that you are good, that you are good that we would be the salt of the earth. God, we would be the light of the world. A city set on a hill that people, men and women, children, would see our good works and not glorify us, but glorify you. Glorify you. And we ask it with all of our heart in your name. And they all said, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. I did love this story. I did love this lesson. Who loved this lesson? Five women who served. Five ordinary women. If you had seen them on the street, you wouldn't have stopped and said, wow. Wow. No, they were ordinary women living ordinary lives in extraordinary ways. God, the eternal God of glory, using their lives. As I read each of their story, doesn't it just make you wonder why them? Why, why did they get placed in the hall of fame, get put in their book? I believe it's because he wants us, he invites us into his living book. I love this picture on the screen. It's this big book. If, if I was better at graphics, I would have written the Bible, God's story, to invite you in. And there's a little trail. You can't see it very well. There's a little trail that just walks right into it. And that's what God wants to do every time we open the book, is to invite us in, step into these women's shoes. Step into them. I hope you're not done with them. I hope you follow them around. I hope you take a thread of each of them and make a part of your story. When I started reading the Bible as a very young Christian, said it before, I wasn't raised in a godly home. I, I, I didn't know what it was to be a Christian, what it was to live a real, authentic Christian life. I had a concept like some people uh, of just that I would sit in the corner and try to be good, which was hard for me. No, that's not the end of the story. It's not even the start of the story. God wants to use us. He wants to give us great adventures. He wants to plant us, 
specifically. Each of these women were so different, weren't they? They looked different. They had different MOs. They, they, they were just different. But every single one of them were exactly the same. They were exactly the same. They were all women who knew their God. And not only that, they loved their God. They knew his voice. They knew his word so much so that it was part of them. Every one of them. And his living word flowed like water from them. His word and his love became tangible in a lost and dying world. The love of Christ compelled them in real, tangible ways. Anna, Anna, love that woman. I love that woman. Her circumstances were less than ideal. Less than ideal. After just seven short years of marriage, she became a widow. And when we meet her, she's old. She's probably a skinny little thing. She is probably poor. She hung out at the temple all the time and annoyed the priests. I'm positive. But you know what I love about her? She was windy. She was windy. Jesus explained that to Nicodemus one day. He said, the spirit is not hard and rigid. The spirit's like the wind. He's like the wind. And you know what? When we are born of the spirit and filled with the spirit and moved by the spirit of God, we should be windy too. I love her story. I love that moment when Mary and Joseph walked into the temple and Simon, a total stranger, walked up to them and pronounced that this young baby in Mary's arms would be the rise and fall of Israel. And then he turned to her and said, and a sword will pierce your soul. When we read Anna's story, what did it say? At that instant, at that very instant, she showed up, button into somebody else's business and their little drama. May it be, may it be, she was a prophetess and she was a prayer warrior. She did know the voice of God. And at that instant, she stepped right into their drama. And she praised and thanked God. I love that woman. I love that woman that Mary, even though that she was a young, little, inexperienced, first-time mom. She praised God for her. I'm telling you to your dying day, if you someday are old, I hope you still believe in young women. And I hope you still tell them so. And I hope you still step into their dramas, pronouncing the love of God and the hope of God and the purpose of God in their life. Let God use you. I know about a woman that lived some years ago in New Zealand. And she was a skinny little old thing. And you know what she did? 
She was not afraid to walk into the hardest streets of Wellington, which is the capital, a beautiful city, but it has hard areas. And she would go up and down the streets and just minister to the broken and the drunkards and the homeless. And I might have told you this story, but one time she got a call and a man, a woman who had five kids had just died. And their family was poverty in the hardest neighborhood. And she got a call to go visit this family. And she walked in and the the house was just a wreck. It was filthy. The kids were filthy. And the husband was half drunk. You know what she did? She said, get down on your knees. I'm going to pray for you. She laid hands on that man. And she asked that the spirit of God would fall upon him. And he would come to the Savior. And he would raise those young'uns. She saw him about 10 years later and he chased her down on the street wearing a suit. Absolutely a stable, respectable man. He said, Tommy, and that's what they called her, the skinny little old woman. Tommy, he said, that moment changed my life. I became a sober man and I've raised those children to the glory of God. Let God use you. Love. Anna, Dorcas, Dorcas, she became my hero. Again, as a young woman, I didn't know what it looked like to serve God. I read her story. I read her story about making clothes for widows. And then when she died, they all stood around and cried because she was gone. And I thought, Lord, I want somebody to cry at my funeral because they miss me. Because they miss me. And she inspired me. I knew how to sew a little bit, but I wanted a sewing machine. The first thing my husband bought me ever, brand new, was a sewing machine. I still have it to this day. And it's a powerful little vehicle. I made, I made clothes for my daughter. Always she was growing. We were very poor. I would make, make her clothes, make her the cutest little thing that went to school. I would take old furniture. I learned how to upholster from a woman who was 84. She was my mentor. She'd teach me to, to upholster old furniture from making it from ugly to beautiful. And I got addicted to transformation. Taking ugly things and making them beautiful. I love that in people. God's a transformer. He upholsters us from the inside out. But Dorcas taught me to not just be a Pinterest girl, just investing our family, just investing our home, which is important. Make sure that your life goes beyond your borders, where you invest in others outside of your home. When Dorcas made clothes for those widows, what was she doing? Giving them dignity, giving them dignity. In those days, there was not welfare. There was not life insurance. When a husband died, the widow was normally poor and dressed poor. My mom was raised by a widow. And she said oftentimes she went to school and she was ashamed. She was ashamed of the clothes that she wore. Dorcas said, not on my watch. Not on my watch. I will take what I can do. With what I have. 
and I will invest in these women so they never need to walk down the street and be ashamed. And maybe she was rich. Maybe she had the money to buy the material. But maybe she was just like you and me. Maybe she didn't. Maybe she had to ask God to supply what she didn't have so that she would be enabled to be a giver. Let me give you that equation again because it's the best of. When we can't do of ourselves to be a giver and we have to ask God, you know what? We're tapping into a better source. He has ways to provide that we could never imagine. I believe if that was her story, then she would end her life with thousands of stories. When she had a burden on her heart and she had to get on her knees and said, God, you gave me the burden. And maybe she didn't even know about Pastor Chuck Smith that he would be born someday and say, where God guides, God provides. And she got on her knees and said, God, now it's up to you. Give me the material. Maybe she would wake up one morning and there would be a pile of material on her doorstep. Maybe somebody would chase her down and say, you know what? I got too much inventory at my store. She would have all these stories where God provided the materials so that she could be enabled to fulfill her call. Don't be limited by your resources because you have a God who can do what? Exceedingly, abundantly more than you can ask or think. Just ask. Just ask. I love when I open my one-year Bible. I felt like God has such a good word for me. Such a good word for me in Psalm 16. And I have never seen this, although I've read this one-year Bible probably now 30 times. Today was a verse I think he put there new. Never been there before. Psalm 16 verse says, Two says, I said to the Lord, you are my master. Every good thing I have comes from you. And then it says, the godly people in the land are my true heroes. I take pleasure in them. Huh. I believe it's like a token verse. It's like a monument verse for this path. Everything I have belongs to you. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. So what has God invested in you? Where has he put you? You know, Dr. Seuss said, you are you. You are youer than you. There's no one alive who is youer than you. Be who you are. Don't try to be somebody else. Don't. Try to be God's woman. Relying deeply on him. Let him use you. What a powerful story she has. Lydia. Lydia is also one of my heroes. I remember reading about her. And she was a Proverbs 31 woman. She was a businesswoman. But she also had the gift of hospitality. 
you were handed a gift of assessing your spiritual gifts when you came in. And some of you are annoyed because I've given this to you many times. (laughs) All right. Fine. (laughs) Some of you, this is new information. This is a little sheet the Lord gave me some years ago. And the whole purpose is to give you a a taste of what spiritual gifts look like, what they feel like, what they act like. I want to tell you, just like these five women are so different, so different, each one that has each one of these spiritual gifts are so different. I often told the story about For instance, at the bottom of the page, talks about hospitality. Hospitality. The description here says, I love to make people feel comfortable. No one feels unwelcome in my presence. I seek to show and make God's love tangible with food and shelter. Now, these descriptions aren't the end of the description. The end of the description is a mile long in each direction. But I like to explain it like this. It's not about fancy dishes and new carpet and a perfect house. Say that with me. It is not. It is not that. Don't let that kind of thing hinder you. I have a friend, and some of you know her, Cindy Bardeen. She comes to my house, and she makes me feel welcome. This is why. This is why. Because she has the spiritual gift of hospitality. Wherever she goes, she makes people feel welcome. That's a spiritual enablement. Bless, bless, bless God that he has given the gift of administration to some people. On Monday night, I shared, I shared, um, I can be a train wreck. No, this is true. I know you think I look pretty. No, you don't think I look pretty <laughs> organized this morning. But, but I need people in my world to have the gift of administration and the gift of helps. Because you cannot depend upon me to assign me to set up water. Give me a case of water. Give me a table. Um, and I'll start. But I get interrupted like 10 times. Someone needs prayer. Someone, someone needs to tell me their story. You know what? I love it. I love it. That's my lane. But the water won't get set up. People have to pick up pieces behind me. After I left on Monday, I left my, my microphone in one place. And I left my, my Bible study and my Bible in another place. I went home empty-handed because I got distracted. (laughs) Totally. Someone came back to our church after after seven years, and she came back to Bible study. And I said, who are your friends here? She said, I don't know anybody but you. (laughs) I forgot my notebook. We need, we need the Tracy Andrews of this world. Someone wants to say, amen, glory to God, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. And you know what she told me today? And I told her, Tracy, I need an army. She said, there's no I in army. So where'd you get that? 
That's profound. Let me say it again. There's no I in army. That means God's made us a team. That made us a team. I love that moment, that moment in in Matthew, no, in, here we go, in Luke 8. The scene here is that Jesus was going from city to city preaching the good news of the kingdom of heaven. He was on task. He was running his lane. But he needed an army. He He was a team player. And so sweet that he... He invited people that were not qualified. They weren't fully, fully like functional. The Matthews and the James and Johns. They were, they were disciples in training. You know, uh, um, when, at the end of uh, his ministry, when he first met again with them after he was risen, um, I don't know if I, if I was him, I would have said, come here, you guys. You're the best example of a failed discipleship program I have ever seen. (laughs) The change was being filled with the Spirit. But in his ministry here on earth, walking from city to city, he needed a team, and on his team were women. And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod Stewart, and Susanna, and the many others, they followed him. They cooked the meals. They probably cleaned up. They were on his team. And I love this explanation of them because they were broken women. They knew the dark side of life. And sometimes, and I know so many women that disqualify themselves because they have something dark in their past, some failure. Well, welcome to the real world. Welcome. And I'll tell you the truth. Some of my favorite women, Peggy McDermott, some of you know her. Uh, She's now Peggy Bruning, was just here this week, staying with me for a few days. And when I first met her, when I first met her, she was sitting right there. Right there in Bible study, she had failed. Um, she had failed rehab three times, <laughs> but God did not consider her a failure. She was a broken woman. I sat down after Bible study. Everybody else to, went to group, and and she was crying her eyes out. I said, "What did I say that made you cry so hard?" And, and we bonded. And now she's a mighty woman of God. She started two fabulous rehab programs. And her entire rehab program is the one-year Bible. Day one, they come in a, 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 just a mess. She teaches them to read the Bible for themselves and to dig deep. And then to apply what they learn. And people come out of her program and they're leaders in the church. They're pillars in the church. And you know the beautiful thing about these women? There's lots of raggedy women out there. They were following Jesus, I'm sure. They got interrupted when they were making the soup. Because Peter would come get these, this woman crying her eyes out and say, You know what? Could you go talk to Mary? 
powerful. Don't you let Satan disqualify you from the kingdom of God. He can use your wounds. He can use your wounds to minister to other people and empower them and show them that he can heal them too. It's a powerful thing. And one of the the things that I love about those women, they followed him around, but they were a team. There is something so glorious and powerful about being a team, being kindred spirits, filling each other's gaps. Who did what on that little team? I don't know. But there was another team that put together the spices to anoint his body. Those women, they were first, they were the first to see the empty tomb. They were the first. There were women. There were women on the day of Pentecost filled with the Holy Spirit. Be on a team. It's a powerful thing. God's God's always forming teams in this church. Be part of it. Step in. But each of these women also show, that we studied this this week, showed be stepping into your own personal ministry. As Lydia, she was a businesswoman. And the first thing she did, first thing she did after God had opened her heart to receive the gospel, she begged Paul and Silas, please come and stay at my house. Stay at my house. She opened not just her heart, she opened her home. I have a big house, and I'm a businesswoman. And many years ago, I saw this ugly, big old ugly house. And I said, I want that. I feel like God put that on my heart. 30 years ago, it was a mess. The yard was a mess. Every room was a mess. And, And God just... Did the transformation thing room by room. Now it, now it looks presentable. And um, this week, eight people have stayed at my house. Awesome. But five years ago, I was begging him, this house is too big for me. I'm tired of cleaning the floors. I'm tired of this big old house. I'm selling this house. And I felt like God spoke to me. It was so loud, it was almost audible. It was not audible. But it was almost audible. And this is what he said. Debbie, you're not selling my house. All righty. All righty. <laughs> not selling your house. Part of the aid, part, part was Peggy and her husband, but part of the aid were six people from New Zealand. Two of them were saved, and the other four weren't. And the last thing I did is I left my house this morning, had a little talk with one of them. Gave him a gospel of John and the four spiritual laws. Let God use your moments. Let God use your moments. Lois and Eunice, they inspired me. They inspired me to teach my grandchildren how to read the one-year Bible. When they were little ones, when they were little ones, I would get up, try to get up before them if they spent the night and went in my office, and here were the rules. They could join me if they wanted to sit on my lap, and I would read to them. As they got older, they could join me, and they could read to me. But after we read, every single time I had three questions. What did you learn about God? 
What did you learn about life and what did you learn about yourself? And then the fourth question, and I want to challenge you as we look at these women this week. What will you apply? Because this isn't just so you know great stories about great people who did great things. And cheer them on, yay. God wants you again to step into their story. Take one of their lives or pieces of each of their lives and say, God, God, how do you use me? And you know what? When you're stepping into it, it's not going to look supernatural. It's just going to look natural. But if you step into it trusting him, then God will use you. The end of Psalm 16 this morning was a powerful message for us. Verse 11 says, You, God, will show me the way of life. You will grant me joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. The pleasures of living with you forever. Trust me, that does not mean just when you go to heaven. You can live with him today. You can wake up in the morning and you can say, God, what are you doing today? Can I go? I want to be part of your world. I want to be your hands and I want to be your feet. I want to step into those moments. I'm going to close by reading part of Romans 12. I memorized it um, a few years ago, but it's dropped out of my brain temporarily. It's coming back, though. (laughs) So I'll read it. Romans 12. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. The Bible was the first Nike commercial. Just do it. Let me read it again. Having then gifts differing according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts, she who exhorts in exhortation. uh, Exhortation. Let me give you a definition of exhortation. If If it's the natural gift, it's bossy. It's bossy. It's pointing out you're doing bad. Trying to tell you what to do good. That's the natural, not so much a gift. But the spiritual gift is a swift kick and a soft hug. Like it? I think I'm good at that. He who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Cling to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate. 
to one another with brotherly love. That's the story of these five, really six women. But more than that, child of God, may it be our story. May we be living proof that God is a good God. May we be living proof that God is a sweet God, that he's a giving God, that he's a smart God, and that he's a God who sees our lives. Amen? Let's hold out our hands as we close in prayer. Lord, sometimes we have moments where we feel like we have empty hands. We've got nothing to give that would make a difference. And God, I pray that in those moments that we just lift those empty hands to the treasure house of heaven and to you, the King Eternal, and say, God, I pray that you would use me. Fill these empty hands. Fill my empty heart because sometimes our heart feels empty distracted, maybe wounded, discouraged. God, fill my empty heart with your abundant love so I don't just dip into my sources. I dip into your eternal oceans of love to give out to others. God, show us divine appointments. So just like Anna, we would step into people's moments. And give them a word of encouragement and hope. Help us not to try to be other people. But to be exactly you. Exactly who you made us to be. For we pray in Jesus' name. And they all said, Amen. God bless you.